Welcome back in, everybody, to another edition of Storytime with Steve. We're here today. We're going to talk about working in the news business, which um, I've actually done for more than 20 years now. So I'm going to tell you about a little story about one of the lovely people that I used to work with. So I was already directing on the weekends, uh, directing newscasts, and everything was going fine. Um, I'd worked with you know several different anchors, and we always got along fine, and everything was was pretty smooth. But then I had a shift change. And they forced me to go to the nighttime schedule, which I had been working early. Um, and would do like a morning newscast and a noon show and then leave. And then they turned that upside down. I had to start working the night shift, which is coming in at basically 3 p.m. and working until midnight or later, depending on if you had sports. And, of course, working at an NBC affiliate, a lot of times the Sunday night sports lineup would be the NFL on NBC. So those nights were really long because they wouldn't even get started till what, 8.20 minimum. And then you had the game and then you had the post game and it just seemed to go on forever. So those were difficult. But more than that, what was really difficult was dealing with this one individual. He just knew it all. He was a news anchor. He tried to act like he was the boss of the whole building. And so when I came onto that nighttime schedule, I was thinking, well, this is different. I thought it was a collaborative team effort, but no, not in this guy's world. It wasn't team effort. It was all about him being a dictator and telling everybody else what to do and how to do it and micromanaging every little thing about the newscast and everything about the production side, which is our job. So the first night, the first show that I worked with this anchor he comes up to me after the show it's like you got a minute yeah sure buddy what do you need he had a list that he had made out an entire list of things from that one show that I did not do that he wanted me to do or things that I did in a different way or a way that he didn't like that he wanted me to change so I'm just staring at him thinking, I can't believe this. I mean, we're one show in to this new shift, this new experience, which I was really dreading because I'm an early guy. I like working early. I like getting out early. Um, you know, working into the afternoon, evening hours is not something that I wanted to do, but I didn't have a choice. I was, you know, forced into that schedule, and I had to do it for many years. And all total, I, I know I did it at least 10 years straight. So every single weekend for 10 years, I worked basically 3 p.m. to midnight or later, depending on the sports, like I said. Like the NFL games on NBC run late, sunny nights. So sometimes I get home at 1, 1.30, almost 2 o'clock in the morning. And so I didn't want to be on this schedule to begin with. And then you throw in the icing on the cake, which is this freaking know-it-all egomaniac news anchor and let me tell you something I would never speak about anyone that I currently work with this has been many years ago and I would also never name names but most of them that have a big attitude what I've always said is 
their ego and their that their overinflated self-importance so outweighs the talent level. They think they're all that. They think they're so great and they're going to tell everybody else what's what. And it's really sad when they can't even read a teleprompter in a conversational way and make it look and sound good, but they want to act like they're ruling the world because they're a local TV news anchor. I mean, let's face it. I mean, if you've ever seen um, Anchorman, you know, The Legend of Ron Burgundy and those movies, I mean, there are so many hilarious things in those movies that, that do ring true in the business. And one of the things that... Um, the great Bill Curtis that does a lot of the voiceover in that movie talked about was a time before cable when the local TV news anchors were, they really were king and queen and ruling the whole, you know, local scene as far as being recognized and people looking at them to get information. I mean, look at what it is now. I mean, it's so fragmented with everybody having a smartphone and instant news on your phone and everybody's attention span going in like a million directions. So, I mean, even when I got into the business, it it, it hadn't really taken off yet as far as like the internet. I mean, the internet was already there, but like the smartphone and all that came later. But the attitudes of, of some of the people, now not all of them, I've worked with so many great people, and usually it is a team effort and it's a collaborative effort. But you get those one or two that you deal with and this was one of them, this, this particular individual. And so I come onto this schedule. He comes up to me with this list, and I'm just staring at him thinking, I just, this is unbelievable. So I, I never forgot that. I mean, I went home, talked to my wife, and I said, this guy's going to be a problem. And I was totally right. He was. He just nitpicked every little thing. And if we had a good show or close to a good show and then we had one little mistake you know he would he would try to point it out the next day try to remind me about it I mean one day I came in this is when I really was furious I walked in I'm having a great conversation with somebody I'm in a pretty good mood and then he just completely kills that and says hey I need to talk to you okay what do you need I'm right here takes out what we call an air check tape which is the tape of the shows from the day before puts it in the machine, starts playing through it, goes through an entire show, and like points out all this stuff that he didn't like. Never in my life, before that or since, have I ever had some anchor or anybody do that. I mean, he was just, he was crazy. And I'm just looking at his face thinking, this guy just looks so unhappy, and just it, this is just a nightmare. So I still waited. I still wait. I just thought, I'm not going to say anything. I'm still kind of new on this schedule. I even went to my boss. I said, man, what am I going to do with this guy? And he said, well, I wouldn't allow him to make you feel that way. I'm like, well, I mean, I am kind of new to the schedule, and he's been doing these shows at, at on the weekend night for a while, and I'm trying to accommodate him, whatever. He said, yeah, you know, just keep doing what you do, and it'll be fine. Well, so three months into this experience, I waited that long, and the night before, we'd had something that went wrong with a graphic. <clears throat> There's a couple of different ways to names that these have in the business. One is called an, an OTS, over-the-shoulder graphic, where you look at the anchor, and on the right side or left side, you, there's like a picture 
with a font. You know, it may say fire, it may say shooting or whatever. So I had a, an issue with one and I had to skip it. And so he turned to the camera that would have had the graphic, but since there was something wrong with it, I had to keep him on the other camera. But since he wouldn't let me direct him and just listen to my directions on the camera turns, he would have never turned to the wrong camera if he would let me be the director that that I am. And, and he's trying to direct himself and direct the whole thing. And so he looked at the wrong camera. And, of course, he, he got mad about that. So I came in the next day. And, I'm like I said, I'm having this conversation with um, – and I'm sorry. That was another incident when he went through the air check tape. The day I came in and <clears throat> I was just saying hello to everybody and <clears> – <throat> Excuse me, I'm still clearing my throat with this being sick. He said, uh, what happened to my key shot? And I looked at him, I said, okay, I need to talk to you. So finally, I'm turning the tables on this guy a little bit. Instead of him saying, oh, I need to talk to you. I said, I need to talk to you. So I walked him back to my little office. He goes, oh, oh no, am I in trouble? <laughs> I mean, he, this guy was just so cheesy and awkward. And I said, look, I've been doing this now for three months. You came to me with a lot of things that you wanted. I have accommodated you on all those things. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I don't need to come in the next day after, you know, the, the night before having a mistake. If I made a mistake, I know that I made a mistake. I don't need to come in and have you remind me about it. And then, of course, he plays it off. Oh, no, I was just giving you a hard time. No, no, you wanted to say it. You wanted to let me know that I screwed something up, and I'm just over it. So we had our little talk, and he acted like he understood, and I'm like, okay. So he walks out, and I was like, okay, well, at least I got that over with. So the funniest thing. So then we do our 6 o'clock show. I don't remember anything happening that. But when we did our 11 o'clock show that night, I remember he was standing at the, we used to call it the projector wall, where they're standing in front of this big video screen, and they got the video behind them. And I can't remember what it was. that I think my script page was cut in half, and so I, where I was reading, I was in a different place than where we were. Anyway, I punched something up. It wasn't a glaring mistake, but, of course, to him, it was definitely a mistake because he was such a micromanager. And so I could tell when I, whatever it was I did, I could tell he got all mad. But of course, he didn't say anything this time because we just had our talk about not needing to remind me about stuff. You know, another thing he would do that really bothered me was he would go to the crew members, people that were running audio and camera, different things, and he would tell them what to do. That's not his job. That's a director's job, which was my job. You know, I was over the technical. He was supposed to be over reading the news. And then I guess he was some sort of self-proclaimed weekend manager over the news department and kind of giving assignments of what stories they needed to cover. And that's fine. That's great. You do that. You do you. But leave the production side to us and the technical side to us. But he wouldn't do that. He would go with an audio person and say, hey, I need you to do me a favor. When we go to these boxes, I need you to hit music right when we go to it. I mean, right exactly when we go to it. And, oh, I loved it. She told me that she looked at him and said, well, I'm, I listen to my director and what he tells me. So when he tells me to hit music, that's when I hit it. Oh, I just loved it. Because that's not his job. So come to find out, fast forward through another several weeks, however long it was. I'm downstairs running camera one day during the noon show during the week. I overhear my director say something about, 
that he heard that this particular guy was leaving. <clears throat> I wanted to start dancing in the streets. It was one of those moments, and I'm sure everybody understands what I'm talking about in a working situation. There's just going to be people that you don't like working with, and they just rub you the wrong. And you know what? You, you do the best you can. You try to get along with them. That's what I think you should try for the greater good. Like I said, to be collaborative, be a team, you know, team player. But when those individuals leave, boy, there's nothing wrong with feeling good about it because, I mean, I was so excited. I was like, okay, finally get him out of here and now start fresh with somebody else. And, of course, it was it was great after that. I mean, the people that came after him, generally I didn't have any trouble with. There was one guy, a younger guy that came on that really thought he was something. You know, his dad apparently had been a sports anchor when he was growing up and looked up to daddy and wanted to be just like daddy and all that's fine. But he was extremely lazy and didn't do anything except just read a teleprompter and wouldn't even help with writing teases and writing updates, which is just a very, very small amount of time to do that. So he he and I kind of butted heads a couple of times. Um, but once this, this guy left that had given me such a hard time, I was very, very excited. And then the weekends became a lot more relaxed and a lot more natural and everybody was working together as a team. So come to find out, <clears throat> I think, and I'm not giving the guy any excuses. He's, there's really no excuse for the way he acted. But apparently, when I came on to the weekend, the late night weekend, he was upset because there was a position that had opened up weekday for a new newly acquired Fox affiliate that we purchased our company and so they created a new newscast that was not there at 10 p.m., a 10 p.m. Fox newscast. And he was thinking and hoping, since he had already been here for a number of years, that he would ascend into that weekday anchor spot. But they didn't do that. They wanted a fresh face that wasn't known to this station and the area, and they hired this lady that... Um, was not from the area that had never been seen on the air. And they so they had a whole new look. They had a fresh face. They had a new newscast. And it was a whole new thing. And apparently he was really upset about that. So when I came on the late night weekend, he was really busy trying to make the, his perfect tape to leave. And so I guess every little mistake that happened, he figured, he thought, well, I can't use that for my resume or I can't use that for to, you know, get my next job or whatever. So then that started to make a little more sense that you know, he was wanting to leave. and um, But <clears throat> so he left. Come to find out, I won't give a lot of details about it because you could probably put it together. But he went to another TV station, another market. He did that for a while. And then to my best understanding, he got out of the business and took some sort of a, which I think is perfect for him because he used to cover it a lot in his reporting days, but like a city government type position where he was over the technical side of of um, recording and documenting like city government meetings and and different things like that. But I found a web article that said he, he had been named some, some type of supervisor or manager over that. And I was like, okay, good. That'll be good for him because he was already trying to tell everybody what to do when he was here. But he wasn't really in that spot. So now he'd actually have a job where he could 
you know, get in and do all that. So best of luck to you, buddy. Can't really say I miss you. So there you have it. Another all-knowing egomaniac news anchor story. So until next time on Storytime with Steve.